My heart is breaking. I look out and I see my people. I see men sleeping with men. I see believers marrying unbelievers. I see a people choosing to make decisions based on wealth and based on money instead of being based on God. And my heart is breaking. The very fact that there is a there is a remnant chosen for God and then there are all these other people delighting in their flesh. It disturbs me. My name is Zechariah. I am I am a priest. I am a man who wants to see God do great redemption. But in under in order for you to understand my story. You must understand my context. You must understand my world. Because if I tried to if I tried to bring you into my world without you understanding the key background for names that I'm going to use, you would be lost. As if I said today, I'm I have as much integrity as Kwame Kilpatrick. You would say what? That background matters. So let me give you the background about a man named Herod. Herod the Great. He is the king of our day. He is running things. Herod becomes ruler. And when he becomes ruler, he begins to recognize the history of his people. He says, wait, year after year, those that have come before me have tried to break the backs of the Israelites. They've tried to crush them. They've tried to make them worship another God, and they have failed. So I'm smart enough not to follow in their footsteps. So what I'll do is not try to get Israel to worship another God, not, not say that I will kill them only if they worship the emperor. What I'll do is charge them. I'll charge them a tax. I'll make them pay financially. And so... Every month, they will bring forth a tax for not worshiping the emperor. And that has allowed him to make beautiful, beautiful palaces, beautiful places of worship. And Herod now builds up the city on the backs of the people of Israel. But let me tell you what else he does. Let me tell you, this guy's crazy. So he, he knows that the people of Israel are, are the primary population. And so to gain clout, even though the Romans are in control, he marries a Jewish woman. And then he disgraces our people. He disgraces our people. Our people are so, so desiring to worship God. God in his loving grace has set aside people specifically to be priests. And this man, he takes his wife's brother, a 17-year-old boy, and makes him our high priest. That's, that would be equivalent to someone taking the father of your household away and putting someone in to lead your family. Does he listen to God? Does he care about God? Does he care about us? Not at all. But in, but in rage and in jealousy, this man, Herod, goes and kills this high priest. So he sees at whatever, whatever is going to advance his causes, he places a new person in his high priest role. 
to advance his desires. That's what broke the camel's back. That's what, that's what has my people extremely angry, extremely hungry, greatly anticipating a savior. You see, from, from the days of Abraham, we've longed for beautiful redemption to come. We've longed for a savior that would rule. But now it seems like we feel the brunt of that more than ever. The burden of, of the Roman people looking down on us as if we're second-class citizens. And I can't understand it. But for some reason, people seem to say that I'm righteous. That I'm righteous. Not because of a, a specific act, not because I did something great and amazing. When I look at righteousness, I stop and can't help but look at my beautiful bride, Elizabeth. I see her as righteous because every day she chooses to make an ethical and a moral decision based on whether it brings God favor. Not something big and amazing. Every day, small decisions. It's what I'm doing bringing God favor. So people call me righteous, but I look at her and I see, I see righteous reflected in her everyday actions. But don't you be fooled in thinking that that's something that's unattainable. That righteousness is set aside only for this chosen few. That righteousness, those daily decisions can be your reality. And so my wife, this beautiful woman who God has blessed me with, she, she is a, uh, she's a prize. I mean, I flow from the, the line of Aaron. And so as a priest, I am, I am exalted a little bit higher than some of the other common people of Israel. But when I, when I get connected with her, Man, it's like it's like uh, it's like Obama and Michelle. I mean, I, she's from the line of Aaron too. So you got two people from the line of Aaron marrying one another. It, it's 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 almost seen as if we are uh, purifying the line of Aaron. And while it seems like the community would exalt us, <laughs> though we don't desire it, she gets laughed at. People make fun of her. They look down upon her because she cannot bear a son. My wife has been bearing for some time, and uh, I don't know when I shifted from having a lot of hope in what God could do to, um, to doubting. To, to, to in the midst of his silence, thinking that God wouldn't answer. And so, do I believe God can do it? Yes. But I haven't allowed what I believe, I haven't experienced what I believed yet. And so while I'm passionately, 
passionately worshiping God. I still have an emptiness. There's still something that's longing inside because daily I have to see this woman who holds her head up as she walks throughout the streets. But when she hits the door of our home, she cries because people laugh at her because she can't carry a She can't bring a son into this world that will continue the line of our family. And I won't let her see it. But my dad used to look me in the eyes and say, son, I'm so thankful for you. The proud, the, the, the proud nature that I have right now, you shall someday have. Because you will bring a son into this world and you will be able to experience it. And I never let her see it. But inside, I, I hurt too because we are not able to have a son. And so twice a year, my tribe gets selected to go to Jerusalem. We're a small tribe in Judea, but we get selected to go to Jerusalem to present the sins of the people uh, before God. And there's 24 of us within my tribe. And what we do is we take dice or, or casting lots and we roll the dice. And of our 24, five people get to go into the temple and maintain, uh, do some of the rituals like lighting of candles, the burning of incense. And you could be a part of our tribe and never be chosen because it's only five of the 24 that go twice a year. But this time I get chosen. This time, I get to go inside and, and light the incense that will be a fragrant offering for the God of gods, the holy of holy, the king of all kings. And so I do so. I enter into the temple. And I have the people of God waiting outside. And while I enter in, these people are praying. They're praying for the, the, the redemption of our people. They're praying against the oppression that exists within our people. They're, they're praying that God would forgive the sins of our people. And I go in before the first sacrifice, light the incense. And I go in at night after the last sacrifice, Light the incense. So it may be a continuous aroma that is pleasing in the nostrils of our God. And I go in, and when I walk in, I'm going through the, through the same rituals that are done. And I see something out the corner of my eye, and it's an angel. gripped with fear. And it's as if he, he, he calms my heart and just says, do not be afraid. He says, Zechariah, I have heard your prayers. Your wife will bear a son and he will call back the people of Israel to God through repentance. 
heard my prayer. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. And, and I, I should see this, this angel dwelling in front of me, and that should cause me to rejoice and be thankful. But inside is the baggage. Inside I possess doubt. Inside my mind, I relive all of the times that she walked in the house crying. Inside, I think of all the many years that I prayed with no answer. The silence. I ask that you not be like me. For one moment, would you think of of yourself in my situation? The 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 doubt, how how doubt the depths of doubt can steal the joy of a Christian. Because when you get to a point where you become hopeless, doubt wins. You see, we should never be Christian people should never stop believing in what God can do for them. We should never get to a point where we say, oh, this is my situation, therefore God is answered. God's silence was not an answer. It did not mean no. And how easily we interpret silence as no. I don't know if it was doubt, I don't know if it was worry, but what, what, whatever stirred up inside me, I looked at him and I said, how am I to know this? An angel is in front of me. I know I sound crazy. An angel showed up in front of me and he tells me I'm going to have a son, something, excuse me, that no, that, that, that is an intimate prayer that I've prayed. So only, only God could send someone to respond in this manner. He answers and I doubt. I ask for a sign. And so he gives me one. And in, and in doing so, he shuts my mouth. Uncomfortable. My mind knows what I want to say, but it's as if my lips reject everything that I'm thinking. And so I guess now (laughs) I got what I asked for. So now I leave and I and I head back outside and the people have been praying, seeking God's face, but they are worrying because it's taking so much more time than it usually does. And I come outside and I can't speak. Yet I'm called to continue 
the responsibilities of a priest. So I continue working. And then Elizabeth and I, we return home. And during our time at home, her cousin comes over, her cousin Mary. And Mary and Elizabeth have a conversation. And to, to, to my surprise, Mary, too, has had an experience with, with an angel. But for the, sake of, for the sake of being accurate, for the sake of you understanding the fullness of what the angel said to her, allow me to read what was said. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. I'm I'm left to wrestle with this reality that God isn't God didn't God didn't reject our prayers for ages and generations my people have all been excited about being the generation who would see the Messiah come so every generation said is it us then the next generation said is it us Could the little prayer that was for me and my wife be the beginning of my generation experiencing the Messiah? Could my son be be the catalyst, be the one who prepares the way for the Messiah that Mary speaks about? Would it be my generation? So Mary goes on to begin to, to, to share with me the beauty of, what, of, of, of who this, this Messiah will be. But you've got to remember, we're still in, a, in an environment, we're still in a context where daily we are oppressed. Every single day, we're reminded that we're Jews. You see, our our culture is to be separate and different from that of the Greek culture. The Greek culture says, hey, orgies, hey, drink, hey, marry whoever. That is not what our culture says. And so I'm, I'm finding my people delighting in that culture But then there's this remnant that set themselves apart. And it it hurts me to see the people of God wanting to mirror the Greek culture. How much do you mirror the culture? Or are you set apart? I'm seeing, I'm seeing the, the, the people being lured into, into, into wanting to be the king's high priest. So now I've got, I've got people that are priests with me 
trying to get status and and trying to climb the 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 people of God ladder so that they can be the next pawn in Herod's scheme. But 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 what are but what what Mary is speaking of is one who shall come and not simply overthrow the powers that be. I couldn't get it in my mind. I only thought that he was coming with strength, with power, with might, and he would crush those who were opposing our people. But evil is so much deeper than a people. You see, if if he simply crushes them, then we will want to be them. We will want to take control and we want to pay them back for all the years that they oppressed our people. But it seems as if it seems as if this mighty Messiah that's coming wants to do away with evil structures, period. To take away the attractiveness of power. So that power has no power. So that we won't long to be in their place. We will long to submit at the feet of this great Messiah. And so when Mary describes describes this, this, this Messiah, she says the powerful, <clears throat> excuse me, she says that, that this Messiah will scatter the proud. Bring down the powerful and send the rich away empty. It's not an indictment upon how much stuff they have. It's an indictment upon their hearts that in opposing God, that they would choose to oppress his people. It's not simply a a person who has deep pockets. It's a person who gains deep pockets through the abuse of others. That's true oppression. We're in the midst of you getting ahead. Someone suffers. And man, our people have suffered. So in my mind, I'm anticipating this king. And I can't wait for him to come. He's got to have giant armies, right? I mean, if you look at you look at the Roman world, you look at the power that they have. He's got to have giant armies. You look at the the ability for the king to speak and nations hear it. So he's got to have influence to be able to to speak throughout our region. This king, this, this Messiah has to come with strength. At least that's what Mary and I expect. And Elizabeth, that's what we're expecting. It's interesting that we can begin to to have an expectation and force God into that expectation. I'm not sure if I'll get a chance to see the Messiah, but if he doesn't come the way I've described, with, with, with this strength, with dominance, crushing every foe that we've ever had, if he doesn't come like that, Frankly, I can't imagine how he would come. He's got to come as royalty. He's got to come with the strength of a million armies because that's what it's going to take. 
And that's what I'm anticipating. This mighty, mighty Messiah. This Messiah. He's bringing with him, he's bringing with him the beauty of an age that my people have talked about for generations. He's bringing with him the Spirit. And it's going to be a dawn of a new era where the Spirit not only equips people for a certain task, but the Spirit will dwell within them at all times. Can you imagine an army of people set aside for God's purposes with the Spirit of God living within them? Can you imagine that? What those people could achieve for God's glory? You know, I'm, I'm humbled that, that the angel would even come and speak to me. Because while I daily try to make choices that bring God glory and bring him joy, I'm not a perfect man. And so maybe you think that you need to be perfect in order to be, to be used in a mighty way. Maybe you think that, yes, the Spirit lives within me, but you don't know my past. Or, but I've been praying for something a long time and hearing silence. Maybe you think that, that man, God can use me. It's not an issue of what God can do but it's an issue of will God use me? You see, my track record isn't based on perfection. It's based on my connection with a God who loves me. And I'm praying for you that you would see that you have the same connection. It is one where your track record in God does not stop you from being used by his spirit. I'm I'm joyfully getting a chance to experience redemption. Because now now the the hope that my people have had for so long that one would be able to draw our hearts back. I speak of the way that we're living and that there will be one that draws us back to God. Now we're getting a chance to experience that. Now true redemption can happen. And I'm in awe that God could use my son as one of the members who would bring forth the coming, or one of the members who would uh, prepare the way for the coming of this Messiah. I anticipate his coming more than anything else. I anticipate 
the coming of this Messiah even more than I did the, the birth of my own son. But I fear that anticipation of the coming of God to end evil structures, to do away with evil that pervades our very being. I, I fear that that anticipation is being lost today. You see, it took a miracle for my wife to have a child. But I, I, I'm scared that you all don't sense that it takes a miracle for you to be drawn to God and remain in him. The difference between raising and seeing a child be a godly child and a good child is miraculous. The difference between being good people and God-centered people is miraculous. And so we can be watered down to, to go through life doing good stuff, but not trusting God in the miraculous. That we would be gospel-centered, people who celebrate him well who daily are, realize that we are made righteous but choose righteousness as we daily get to make decisions hourly. Righteousness starts right now. Your mindset, you could be daydreaming about what you're going to do when you leave here or you could choose to worship right now. And so for my people, I, I long that that anticipation wouldn't be fading. That it wouldn't, it wouldn't be a thing of the past. But that, but that the second coming, but that, but that the coming of this Messiah would inaugurate a new reign. I want you to wrestle with this week what it looks like for you to anticipate something. I look at my I look at I look at children and when a child anticipates something, they can't hold it in. They ask you again and again about it. When's it going to happen? Is it, is it here yet? When's it going to happen? There's there's an excitement, but it also continues to be on that person's mind. Recall yourself back to the, the first time you were on a, uh, in a relationship with someone that you really, really enjoyed. And you made plans for something at the end of the week. The countdown. The setting aside time in your schedule. The making sure you was looking fly and fly. <laughs> The anticipation. What does that look like for you as you long for the Messiah to return? Our lives can be can be bogged down with so many things that, to be honest, anticipation can be one of the last things. Don't leave today with the same the same way of life. Leave today saying, today I'm going to start longing for your return.
God, it has to be something that you birth in me, but I want to pursue you until that happens. If, if, you're, if you are mad about homelessness, anticipate his return. If you are disgusted that, that people rape one another, anticipate his return. If you look out and you see people being taken advantage of through, through corporate wages and occupied Detroit, anticipate his return. Because the very structures, in addition to people, the very structures that continue to allow people to be oppressed, be hurt, be belittled, become the marginalized, will be done away with. Will you anticipate it? I pray so. Will you pray with me, family? Holy Father, there is beauty, Lord, in all that you desire to take place in this world. You place your spirit within us so that we may be agents that that bring forth your kingdom renewal in this world today. But, Father, the fulfillment of that happened at your birth when you came once, and and it will be fully realized when you come again. Hallelujah. And so, God, we are asking that you would allow us to be a people who anticipate you. And that anticipation would be practically lived out as we set aside time for you, as we, as we greatly desire to see you renew things that are unhealthy and broken, whether it's our economic systems or the hearts of our neighbors. Lord, you fix the broken areas. So, Lord, we thank you, but we ask, that you would give us strength to make every decision be a righteous decision, one that brings you glory, brings you honor. For just as with Zechariah, Lord, you allowed you allowed him his request to be answered so that you would be glorified, not so he could have a cool son, but so that you could bring forth your son. Hallelujah. Lord, would you use us? We love you, Jesus, and it's in your holy name that we pray. Amen.